This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vaughan's. Hello everyone, my name is Lyle Fulton and I am a professional actor who has found his way somehow into working on occasion in the wonderful world of PR, as the name of this podcast would indicate. And I am joined, as I will be, for the entirety of this brand new series of podcasts by PR guru, entrepreneurial extraordinaire, CEO of Demozo herself, Jackie Vores. Hello, Jackie. Hello, Lyle. And uh, Jackie took a huge chance on me to become part of her team at the wonderful Demozo PR. And we've decided to do something a bit mad and do a bit of a podcast, haven't we, Jackie? We did. We decided to do it because I think through you, through the fact that you can present these things so well and because you, you know, you've got so much fast experience in in doing out facing communications like this, actoring, then I just thought, great. So many people have asked me whether we're going to do a podcast of our own at any stage because I participate in podcasts and I'd never really thought it was possible until I met you so I might have brought PR into your life but you definitely brought the opportunity to podcast into mine so well, there you go you see I mean it's kind of like sort of you know two worlds collide in a really really brilliant way and actually you know I probably should have done slightly more research into this than I actually have done insofar as I am unaware as to whether or not this is the only thing of its kind in the pod sphere if that's even a term or a phrase but it's certainly the first one that I will have come across and as I'm hugely interested in PR through sort of family and also through working on it now I'm inclined to sort of uh, stick my neck online and say it probably is one of the few of its kind (laughs) well it's going to be unique because it's got you and me involved absolutely right absolutely right and yeah I mean I suppose we're kind of coming into this both prepared and a little bit kind of unprepared I'd unprepared and kind of blindly prepared, if that's the thing, we kind of invent that. This first episode is going to be an informative one. We're going to sort of let people know why we're doing it, how often we're going to do it, what it's Who going to involve. Are. Exactly. We haven't really done that yet. Exactly right. Yeah, 100%. But also, we're going to be making some decisions on the fly yeah. that you're going to hear first as we discover them. Such as, of them. such as we don't even have a name for it yet, which is yeah. uh, which is really interesting and uh, kind of doing things in reverse, which I like in a way, because I think it's more organic. So, I mean, we had an idea. Would yeah. you like to sort of inform and enlighten the listeners as to the idea? Well, we you know, I had no I had no ideas and I hadn't even thought about a name, to be fair. until mm. I was actually on a call just in that before I was on the call with you with the lovely Seed Legals, which I can definitely recommend because they're brilliant. And the girl from Seed Legals who I'm talking to said, oh, I really want to listen to that podcast. She said, I love podcasts and I really want to know more about PR. What's it called? And I went, oh, we haven't ah. really thought about <laughs> So we're going to have to do something there. And I certainly didn't have any ideas. I did. I, do you know what? I didn't want to call it something self-serving like Demoso's podcast or anything like that, because nobody knows who Demoso is. And fair enough, you know, that doesn't matter. The whole reason for doing this is to share insight into PR today and PR as opposed to how it used to be. I know you come from a PR family, Lyle, and that's I why I do. Yes. what brought you to me because your dad is PR. <laughs> It's very different today and you need a different skill set and a different appreciation. So I don't know what to call this thing. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I think that's really, really interesting what you say, because there are lots of podcasts out there that are kind of brand specific. And that is also great. And obviously 
branding and marketing is very much sort of, you know, under the umbrella of PR, which I'm sure we'll discuss in future episodes. But you're absolutely spot on insofar as I think there is an appreciation out there. And this is certainly something that I experienced. There's an appreciation out there of what in sweeping generalizations, PR or public relations, for those of you unaware of, uh, of what it stands for, PR, what it actually is. I think there's a sort of broad brushstroke approach to describing what it is occasionally. And I don't want to sort of labor this point too much. There's a bad rap element to people who work in PR. Hugely, there's like kind of a stigma attached to it. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. I think, you know, if I'd have had access to something like this whilst growing up, as you rightly point out, with my dad who was in PR and I'd been able to just kind of draw from as right. many influences as possible, yeah. I would have had more of an idea of what it is that I would be intrigued to get into. It's not a Demozo-specific podcast. It's not an any PR firm-specific podcast. We're interested in hearing all sorts of different opinions, all sorts of different approaches to how to do it, because there are many. There are so many different ways of tackling it, of approaching it. There are different sectors within the broad industry that is PR, and obviously Demozo... Yeah sort of speaks to one particular sort of sector of you know PR. what most of isn't really a PR agency a traditional PR agency I always say it's mm. very difficult to put us into a bracket I mean I came from you know a background of very pure play PR mm. if you really go back to this sort of genesis of public relations and the public and it's your relations with the public and what's your public it's a different set of stakeholder groups who you're communicating with and your stakeholder groups can be all sorts of different stakeholders but it really boils down to is reputation that's the old school definition of public relations is building and protecting a reputation but most people get PR mixed up with media relations or publicity or publicist mm. publicists I can never say that word you know, I always kind of thought of PR as kind of almost crisis management. And I think even when I when I wrote to you yeah. to sort of express my interest in working for Demozo, I mentioned that my only real experience through working, not in conjunction with my dad, but kind of like shadowing him and discussing with him work he'd done in the past. A lot of the work he'd done, certainly in the earlier days of him working in PR, was preempting an issue yeah. and going to the press and kind of tempering that by sort of you know letting Making it slip sure that you're yeah. controlling the communications of that situation rather than being put in the worst position possible which is reactive communications to a crisis that's come up to bite you absolutely um, yeah and you're so right to sort of mention that because that's another skill set another part of pr pr mm. is very um, it covers a multitude of communications tasks for a, a company. And that's why Bill Gates said if he had his last marketing buck, he would spend it on PR. Because you get more bang for your buck from PR than you get from really any other marketing uh, discipline. I, I believe, obviously, because I'm going to be very pro-PR. Absolutely. Well, of course. And this is the thing. I mean, I think when I arrived, I was really kind of... I mean, ignorant is a very powerful word, but I, I I would go as far as to use it because it is about myself. I was ignorant to how broad it was. I think I arrived and really thought I was going to be writing a ton of press releases, both proactive and reactive. And, and that was kind of basically it. But we were speaking before we went live, as it were, yeah. before we started the recording about how I've just recently finished writing a draft of an event submission about how, yeah. you know, someone who's just joined the team has turned around a promotional video in less than a day. Do you know what I mean? And these are things that I had absolutely no idea. And maybe that is my own naivety for sure. I um, don't but, you know, 
I think with you, when you grew up with PR, you saw your father, who's a great PR professional, doing what I used to be doing as well, which was, you know, standard writing and issuing press releases, talking to the press on the telephone, all of those sort of tasks that nowadays, I mean, if I could have had a crystal ball and looked into the future when I started out my career in PR, to think that one of my team would turn around a video in a day would be absolutely inconceivable absolutely inconceivable. I couldn't even believe that we'd be involved in any sort of video production or podcast production or any of these things but it's really interesting to see and this is why I was saying what we do is a little bit more than maybe most PR agencies or traditional PR agencies do because we are such a small select group a little band of uh, media communications pros that we tend to sort of turn our skill sets to lots of different pieces of outreach that I don't think you'd necessarily find in most PR agencies. And I think that's just all my fault, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing. I mean, that's what's really incredible. And I think it speaks to a question I'm going to ask you now, actually, because it's just occurred to me as well that I did a typically horrific job of actually properly introducing you. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to sort of like introduce <laughs> you properly in a second, because listeners, loyal listeners, as I hope you will become, it is going to be Jackie and I for the foreseeable with guests who are going to come in from other walks of PR life, other walks of life in general, really. I mean, we spoke about how PR can kind of be something that affects lots of people in lots of different industries. Mm -hmm. So we're not necessarily, I'm just going to wait for that moped to go by because I live in a very busy area. <laughs> I can't even um, hear it. There you go. This is good news. Uh, that'll stay in. That's staying in. Uh, <laughs> bloopers. Um, but no, you know, we, we want to hear from, from lots of different people from lots of different industries where sort of PR yeah. is something that affects you. But I suppose ambition is something that I've always, well, I say always, since I've worked for Demozo, either full-time which we'll get into that story later down the line was was for a very select period of time um, but I'm now sort of doing some fairly regular freelance work for Demoso which is absolutely fantastic and I'm very grateful for but you know in the year that I've been a part of the Demoso team in various respects ambition is something that I would definitely level at you as being a fantastic trait and the team are a very ambitious team and I suppose yeah. it kind of speaks to how you got into it and what your journey has been. So I suppose what better place to start oh, than oh. with with an introduction <laughs> to yourself, Jackie? Can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into it? I, I, I can. That's probably the one well. thing I can talk about with fact. <laughs> so I started my career in publishing, actually, but I'm not on the editorial side, in the ad sales side. And so I was... Uh, working in computer magazines and I ended up there because I couldn't get a career in in drama which you do so I obviously have a little bit of jealousy of you but uh yeah so I did my drama degree and then I got myself a job in ad sales and you know it was a difficult really difficult job but I got amazing training at this place called VNU and uh, worked with just a phenomenal bunch of people and we was I was so lucky that I was working with editors publishers graphic design people, circulation managers, and we were all young and learning huge amounts at the time. And then I was lucky enough to get headhunted by an entrepreneurial um, maverick called Roger Barrett. And he basically got me into his company and made me run it. And I was very ill qualified at the time. And I ran this software reseller, dealer, republisher, and then ultimately publisher. And so I got to know all the ins and outs of not only marketing software, but also publishing software and coding software. 
So that sort of brought out a lot of techie vibes in me. And then after five years with Roger and him really teaching me the ropes on learning how to run companies, we opened and closed many, many companies and so many contract negotiations and all the sort of finer sides of business, then I felt qualified enough at the young age, I think about 27, 26, 27, to start my own company, which was a PR agency called Flapjack. And my last employer became my first client. And so I sort of, well, I was very cheeky at the time. I, when I decided what I wanted to do, because I really wanted my own company, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I decided, and I was very much self-taught PR. So I decided to call in a load of PR agencies to pitch for my business at Roderick Manhattan. Brilliant. And I saw how they sold PR and saw how their contracts worked and everything else. And then I unashamedly ripped all of that up and ripped and ripped them off and set up my own company. <laughs> really bad. Um, um, but it was a great, it was a great education. And the truth be told, I was leaving a position there open and they could have maybe got the job that I got the job as well. So there um, you go. Yeah, so I was very self-taught and I start I started off from a position of understanding how journalists work because I'd worked in publishing and I had all of my really best friends were journalists. And to this day still are people like Adrian Bridgewater, Manic Dubash, Simon Bisson, Mary Branscombe. I worked, and these are real kind of like stalwarts of the tech press. I worked with all, all of them. And sorry for anybody I've missed there. Simon Rockman. I've missed loads of people there. I'm sure Ben Tisdall. Well, sorry, you just ben know they're going to be, they, they, if, if they even if they've been mentioned, you just know they're going to have a go at you about the order as well. Do you know what I mean? Like the person <laughs> who's first is going to go, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. You've done me a solid there. And whoever was fifth or sixth in that list is going to go, hang on a minute, I was fifth? You talk about reputation. I'm I'm not mentally prepared for this at all. (laughs) Anybody I haven't mentioned you, but loads of amazing journalists. And I got taught by them really on how to, how they wanted to communicate, me to communicate with them, what they wanted to hear about, what their life was like as journalists and wanting relevant, interesting stories pitched to them. So I really learned on the fly and, um, I grew that company in my naivety. I grew it to a really large player in the UK PR marketplace. We ended up on Gloucester Place for these these huge offices with chandeliers and plush carpets. And I had a flat above the offices and, you know, life was good. And we were there for the beginning of Web 2.0, Web 1.0 even. And then the web crash happened. And then 9-11 happened and I literally ended up selling that first company in a fire sale. And then I was headhunted to run a the European headquarters of a very large New York-based PR firm called Peppercom. And I did that for 10 years. And then I did a management buyout from there and set up Demoso, which is where we are now. And in between all of that time, because I'm, I hate the word entrepreneur, but I am an entrepreneur by just very definition of what I do. And I set up a number of companies, including a company called PR Shots, which I founded, which is a, a press service for high resolution imagery on demand. And I co-founded that and set that up. I also started a games company called Drum and Digital with Drum and Park, which are very famous board games um, publishers. They published Articulate, which everybody knows. And um, loves, and loves, love Articulate, love, love, love articulate. articulate. So I know Sandy Duncan, who's the inventor of Articulate. And I Incredible. was 
when I met him, I met him on a beach in Jamaica. That's a whole story for another another podcast. Well, it, it, he may even he may even come on, so he can. He you know, he could, yeah, do you know what I mean? That would be brilliant. Yeah. So yeah, watch this space. Yeah, on a beach in Jamaica. <laughs> what just after a wedding I'd been at with Richard Branson officiating at the wedding. So that's a whole other podcast. My goodness, I mean that's I a, that's a long that's a special edition episode. I think I can already <laughs> tell. I mean, like you know, we can fill yeah, can fill twice. Yeah, absolutely. These, yeah, we're going to call it that name drop episode. Um, <laughs> I know there are copyright issues there, but whatever. Um, but I know this is amazing. And like yeah. you know, just just plugging in there for a second. I mean, there's lots to unpack there because. From my perspective, it's like a very, very brief introduction about me. I mean, I'll speak a lot about my, as my friends will tell you, I'll speak a lot about myself till the cows come home. But I kind of entered into it in, like you mentioned, not dissimilar way in that I come from yeah. a performance background. And I'm lucky I still get to perform and sort of try to forge a career and sort of continue and develop a career in acting, which is great. But yeah, when I you get c- famous, Lyle, you're, <laughs> you're still tied into doing this podcast. This right? is it. Absolutely. I mean, I think I'm tied into more than just the podcast. I'm still going to be doing <laughs> some writing. I think, yeah, like you've mentioned to me several times, I'm, de- I'm I ain't getting away that easily. But I mean, I yeah, never let you get away. <laughs> <laughs> but when I um when I when I joined, I was much as I'd sort of obviously spoken to my dad and I sort of done my research before I applied and had a, had an no idea of what I expected it to be. I was very much learning on the fly as well. And I suppose a question I would have for you is, mm. would you describe PR as an industry that obviously it pays to have the right work ethic, it pays to have the right approach to prepare appropriately, but it is also something that you can kind of learn by doing, by forging the proper relationships and surrounding yourself with the right people. Is that Absolutely. what you would describe PR as? Absolutely. I mean, the thing about PR, and, and I think the thing that attracts me to it is it's, as much of a skill as it is an emotional intelligence, as long as you understand what you're trying to, to do, what your objectives are. And I say this to, I mean, I drive my son crazy when I say to him, you know, we go out for a day. We went out for a day with a water park yesterday with all of his friends. And I said, right, what's our day's objective? And they went to have fun. Because I'm really <laughs> boring like that. I'm like, you set your objectives, then you work back from your objectives and you mm. know exactly what you want to, to get out of something. And I think with, with PR, if, as long as you know that you want to have the objective of selling a story in, making that, and finding the right story, finding the right hook, finding the right recipient of that story, and then serving all your many, many clients, because you've got a client who wants to put a story into a publication. I'm just using the very basics here because we've Mm. got influencers, we've got social media now, we've got all sorts of different channels, but let's just look at the media as a channel to start with. Firstly, you've got your client who wants their story in the media, but then the journalist is your client as well. So you have to think about what that journalist wants to hear about. And equally that journalist is serving their two clients, which are their editor, who wants a certain story for their publication and their readership. And then you, as the person in the middle, working all these communications, working this story, you have to work out how to serve all of those masters. Absolutely. To be able to package that thing up. So your objective setting, your preparedness and your research around that story is so, so important. Honesty as well. And so I'm really talking about softer skills. I'm not talking about how to sort of birth a PR professional. I'm talking about very logical common sense here. And I think it's interesting that you mentioned the word honesty as well, because it goes without saying that a joke my dad used to sort of posit in true Scott Fulton fashion. And I told you, dad, that I might get a mention of you in this <laughs> podcast. You know, a, a sort of a joke he would sort of rattle off, you know, sort of fairly comfortably while I was growing up was this idea that lying 
is part of it. But he was joking because he was absolutely being false there. He wasn't telling the truth. I've since had a very genuine and sincere conversation with him about it. And he said the opposite is true. It's interesting that you mentioned honesty and sincerity and being genuine because ultimately the plethora of clients you've just mentioned, I mean, you mentioned there in no time at all, the fact that at any one moment, a PR professional could have as many as five clients that you could extrapolate through stages. So you're working with two, you're working with the client themselves and you're working with the journalist. But yeah. then both of those two clients then kind of go a level deeper. So you have to be honest, sincere, genuine, and you you have to be good at sort of spinning plates and you have to be good at being flexible and adapting to yes. things. Absolutely. Especially in agency land. So, you know, PR, we haven't even touched on the fact that we're, we're talking from an agency perspective, but obviously you've got in-house PR as well. So you've got people who are serving their stakeholder groups and their stakeholder groups could be purely internal or they could be external and internal. So the first thing is to start with, you know, the communicator and who they're communicating to, who are their audiences. And then you look at the channels for those communications. Mm. A lot of it is, as I said, it's, it's a very logical, sensible process. Honesty is important because you always get caught out on a lie. And especially nowadays, in the old days, there was a lot of, everybody thinks about Absolutely Fabulous and W1 and all those kind of TV shows and everything else where everything's spun and everything's bolly and beautiful and la la la. But at the end of the day, what you really want to do is, you know, if you're highlighting the positives, that is not lying, Mm. that focusing on what is what is positive. But, you know, if you're lying, you will get caught out. And I have walked away from clients who wanted me to lie um, because they wanted to bend the truth. They didn't see it as lying. But even a bending of the truth, to be honest, is a lie because you're duping people. You have to tell the truth. And it's beholden on me to make sure and guide and influence my clients to make sure that they do, because you just don't know what's going to happen down the line. I mean, you do kind of find the people who want to blag a bit and who lie to us. They tell us stuff that isn't true as well. And when you squirrel that little nugget out, that's also putting you in a difficult situation. So honesty in public relations, I think, is paramount. Absolutely. And you spoke about, I think you've spoken before to me, but you also spoke earlier about the idea that it's based on sort of reputations but you know I like sort of discussing the idea of relationships as well Mm. in PR and and particularly sort of you know the professional side of relationships but there's a social parallel which is that socially if you're a good friend Mm. you're honest with your friends aren't you and you've often I've been in meetings with you before where I've kind of obviously in my capacity as an intern and in my capacity as someone who works and sort of does you know the note taking occasionally I've sort of sat there occasionally and gone wow like that was a very direct approach taken by Jackie there. And so far as telling the client X, Y, and Z about the direction and about where we want to take it and about where they should take it. But ultimately I've left those meetings, each and every meeting I've, I've left, I've gone, but it was honest and it was mm-hmm. to the point and they'll have appreciated that more than sort of skirting around the issue. And I think it is yeah. a two-way street, isn't it? As a PR agency or as an in-house PR, but certainly in agency land, as you mentioned, if you've been employed by a client, you've not been employed to be a yes person. You've been employed by someone to be honest and to tell you what, yeah, you're their advisor to tell you what the gaps are. And again, lying gets you nowhere there either because, you know, say it's not going terribly well with a hypothetical client and you lie and say, yeah, it's all going to be fine and we're going to get you this, that and the other. They kind of drift away for two, three, four weeks thinking, yeah, it's all rosy, it's fine. And in, you know, that four week period, nothing has really happened because you 
promised the world and couldn't deliver or they promised the world and they couldn't deliver and all of a sudden there's egg on your face or both faces isn't there because you've not been honest enough in that in that interaction so I think that's a really interesting point it's interesting because clients come to you and they think that you have journalists in your back pocket or you have this massive contact list and or your relationships with the journalists are what is going to get their story into those publications and there is an element of relationships with journalists there's an element of that but you would not have a good relationship with any journalist if you were feeding them nonsense Mm. by their by their standards if you're feeding them stories that they weren't interested in or that were boring or didn't go anywhere or didn't fit their publication so your relationship with your journalist whether they're your friend or not starts on every interaction you have with them because you are showing respect to that journalist and you are delivering to them something that you hopefully know that they're interested in so that's the first thing so when a client comes on board with me and says do you know people at venture beat do you know people at the sunday times yeah i do but i would, would i use them for you would i leverage those relationships Not necessarily, because they might be the wrong people for you. Mm. And on another level, would the Sunday Times or Venture Beat actually get you sales or whatever objective you're looking to meet? So I really try to to guide clients through to the audiences that are going to make the most difference for them, the messages they want to tell those audiences and the results they want to get out of that outreach. And if I don't think that I can help them with that, I'll tell them and Mm. I'll tell them that their budget is better spent on advertising or their budget is better spent on social media or podcasting or whatever. Absolutely. But fundamentally, you know, when a client comes to you and says uh, and judges you by the number of relationships with journalists you keep or your black book, it's a worry because it's not about that. It's about how well you are at crafting your your story. It becomes a byproduct. Journalists end up liking you because you do understand them and they come to you. And that's the golden goose. When a journalist comes to you and says, hey, I'm writing the story. I know you know a lot about the metaverse, Jackie. Can you steer me somewhere to so-and-so and such and such? To me, that's when I hit my golden vein, when I don't actually even have to pick up the phone to a journalist and sell a story. Absolutely, because you know that you've gone to journalists in the past and kind of made your life easy by making the client's life easy, by making the journalist's life easy, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you're not trying to square peg in round hole stories in certain publications just because someone's come to you with a name of a paper they have dreams about being in, because it's not about that, is it? If, you know, if the shoe doesn't fit, then the whole thing, the whole experience is going to be super uncomfortable. And I suppose that's kind of the art of being a good agency is kind of knowing which stories suit which publications fit best in which areas that sort of thing and you know what it's um when I'm recruiting people I want a certain type of person a person who's helpful responsive sensible logical organized because when a journalist comes to you they want you to basically understand their job which is something that everybody should do so you when they come to you needing something you want to respond quickly you want to be following up with them you want to be manly you want to be organized you want to be respectful and and helpful and I think all of that goes a long way and these are all soft skills aren't they they are not university degree level honed to the finest perfection they're not like being a an amazing doctor or surgeon they're very honest 
basic soft skills. And I do believe that, you know, if you're the sort of person that is that way inclined, that wants to help, that wants to, that's creative, that likes working on stories. I mean, a lot of, a lot of stories that we do with journalists, we actually work with them on the story. We call it synopsis working, where we sort of say to a journalist, hey, listen, I've got this client and this is really interesting. But I'm trying to work a synopsis that would actually fit with your title. What do you think? And often they would go to their editor or their team and say, what do you think of this? And they get some feedback from from them and then they come back with them. We work something together and collaborative working is is really good. And that only comes from a position of real respect. Um, respecting people's audiences, respecting their jobs. And that's another thing, Lyle. I wouldn't be a journalist if you paid me double what I earn today. <laughs> It's a hard job to do it really well. They're expected to work 24-7, be on top of so many moving parts, trends, issues. You know, it used to be like last week's chip paper, but it really is two hours ago chip paper. Mm. Yesterday, I wrote an opinion, but no, three days ago, I, me and Victor, shout out to Victor, shout wrote Victor. an opinion piece that was out of date by the time we were ready to post it a day later mm. because something else had happened in that situation. So it's so tough. It's a tough, tough world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's two two points there. First of all, listeners, uh, that just gives you a bit of an insight into uh, how much of a risk it was when Jackie hired me because I'm uh, fairly certain I have. Uh, I'm not hugely proficient in any of those skills you just mentioned, uh, but there you go. PR is all about risk-taking as well. Um, but the second thing as well is a, a, a question sort of almost to finish the kind of the main body of, of the episode here before we go on to tell everybody about how often we're going to do it and who we're going to get mm. on. The advent of 24-hour rolling news, like advancements in technology, advancements in social media. I mean, you've said yourself already in this uh, in this episode that you know, even 10, 15 years ago, you wouldn't have dreamed of doing a podcast. There's now things like Discord. There's things like, you know, mm. obviously Twitter has become huge in the last 20 years, you know, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. What impact has 24-hour rolling news had on how quickly you need to get things out there, the relationships you forge? Have you now got relationships with people on social media platforms yeah, as well yeah. as publications? Have you had to kind of broaden your scope, of, of, if anything, as a PR professional running a, a PR agency? Well, I'm so lucky in a sense because I've come from a technology background. And so when I founded Demoso, I called it Demoso because it stands for digital, mobile and social. And I'm so pleased that those channels of communications that I identified back then as the main ones that we would be operating over have actually that's actually come to pass. I'd look very silly and say I'd named it after some kind of Japanese Zen rule or something. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> I got lucky with the name and it is so true that the technology has driven the channels of communication that we now use to get our messages across on and equally at where you create your relationships. And I'm always saying to people, if you look at social media, for example, I mean, a lot of journalists like to be contacted via Twitter. They use Twitter as their CRM to, to want for want of a better description. Other journalists like to be spoken to. Other journalists like to be contacted via their blogs. There are a myriad of ways of making connections and engaging and getting messages across. And so that has really affected the importance of messaging. And that's another very basic premise of what we do in PR, messaging and positioning. And that's become even more important in this digital age. So it's really weird that you have all these multiple channels in the digital age of communication, 
but the basics are even fundamentally more important mm. than ever before. Because if you don't get your message right, because we're working in the attention economy now, it's all about the attention economy. And if and I always say to people, people are stupid. I'm stupid. I cannot <laughs> take in more than two messages from a company at one time. When I start to try to take in more, I lose the essence of what's being communicated to me. So it's boiling down those messages into really digestible, understandable, impactful chunks that can be distributed across all those different channels and can engage and build a dialogue with your stakeholder groups. That's a fine art. Now, that's when you get to the source, the secret source, which I believe that, you know, we have. But that's being quite arrogant. But <laughs> 30 years of working, doing this and staying current. Um, so, yeah, I have observed that te technological shift. I've observed journalists working, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day just to stay up to date with stuff that's going on. And we have to help in that environment and so our messaging has to be so quick so easy to deliver and understand and engage with that's really interesting as well and that's a really brilliant point i think to end this episode on because a lot of people might have expected the answer there to be well yeah of course it's changed it's, it's changed dramatically because you know one minute you're writing an opinion piece the next minute that opinion piece is out of date xyz and fair enough that may be the case but the core fundamentals of PR, the core fundamentals of your relationship with a prospective client or a current client in that the messaging, the positioning, the model and the strategy of what you're trying to achieve remains the same and remains clear and consistent throughout means that you can adapt and be flexible to a number of different mediums. Mm. Knowing that you can always revert back to a central sort of hub of information, a central plan. I mean, I do a lot of work for a fantastic team called Ludo, a lovely Tom at Ludo. Yeah. Um, and there's a metaphor there. Um, Ludo.ai. <laughs> Ludo.ai. Yeah, let's, let's plug it properly. Ludo.ai. <laughs> and, and lovely Tom over at Ludo.ai. But they've obviously recently announced a kind of a, a unique, innovative game design document. And they're a game ideation platform. And I wrote about how that's such a unique and impressive tool because you can always revert back to this central idea and everyone can work from the same hymn sheet. Yes. Even if things kind of extrapolate into different platforms, different elements of a game, different features of that particular project. If you've always got a central central platform platform and position yeah. to work from, it makes everything easier. And that you can extrapolate that metaphor into a wider PR context, can't you? If if you've got a core central message and idea, then you can adapt and thrive in other media and on other platforms. Um. You can keep big teams, global teams on message as well. So it's it's so, so important. It's fundamentally so important. And while we, and I work with global teams, I run a global network of agencies. And while we, you know, absolutely understand that you have to localize for each geography that you're working within, your core message, your fundamental being has to be the same. So it's keeping everybody on message and using that, as you said, flexibly across all the different communication platforms. Yes. Well, I mean, I think we've covered, we, we've already covered, I would argue, sort of two or three episodes worth of ground, but we're going to, we're going to call it there. So just a bit of sort of information for the the listeners moving forward, it will be myself and Jackie, as I've already mentioned. And uh, Jackie is the wonderful CEO of Demozo, and I'm 
just me uh, who works there Lyle who uh, works with everything across the so the quintessential jack of all trades master of so few I can't <laughs> even say but we're going to be with you we think every week the plan is to release these every week because there's so much to cover and there's but what are we calling ourselves we I think well I, I've had kind of in my head an idea you talked about absolutely fabulous I mean I quite like yeah. absolutely PR because I say absolutely all the time the art of PR the art of PR is pretty cool. The art of PR, I don't think that exists. PR Playfit. <laughs> PR Playfit is like, <laughs> that could get misconstrued. Uh, You're going to be in charge of the music. Well, yeah, my lovely wife, Alice, who is a fantastic actor herself, uh, but also a writer and a musician, she's going to be writing a jingle for us. That The hope is re- we will retrofit to the beginning of this episode. So weirdly, <laughs> we're kind of jingle-ceptioning this, whereby you'll have already heard the jingle and we're talking about it not having been produced yet. But hey, that's what, you know, this medium is all about. It kind of is unpredictable. But yeah, so the plan is every week we'll have some guests on as well from all walks of life, be it the PR industry, other professional industries to tell us about their experiences. There'll be subjects. Clients. Yeah, we clients. Clients on board and see what they think of us. Absolutely. And how to be good clients. Absolutely. We might uh, we might vet that early. Uh, we might sort of we might I, I might do kind of like an onboarding call, which, you know, we'll uh, we'll explain what onboarding is. I might do an onboarding call pre podcast and be like, so one of the questions is going to be what you think about Demozo <laughs> and your work with Jackie and the rest of the team. If that's not necessarily unilaterally positive, but at least a little bit positive, we might not have you on. Uh, but no, that of course not. You know, that's also, you know. We should reverse roles. I should interview you and we should bring in some of the members of the team and talk to them about, you know, what brought them to PR and what they've learned. And that might be interesting as well. We absolutely should do that because I think, so. you know, from those of the team that I, I mean, I know all the team, uh, but from talking to members of the team that I've worked with for sort of a longer period of time than others, everyone's journey into working for Demozo and working in PR has been very, very different. And uh, that in many ways is one of the many brilliant things about getting into PR and then working in PR is everyone's story is different. Everyone's journey has been different. So that's an absolutely brilliant idea. There'll be times where we get members of the team on to have a chat and uh, talk about sort of the day-to-day experience of working in a PR agency as well. So that'd be absolutely brilliant. But like I say, it's going to be every week. There'll be a jingle. Mind you, you came up with that PR pod a while back, didn't you? That PR pod... The, I, I think we're going to run it. That there are so many. I mean, this is a, again, this is a wider conversation. But that PR pod. I mean, there, there's probably you know that that bakery pod, that <laughs> that being in a heat wave pod, which we currently are. The beautiful thing is, and we've already talked about, you know, being adaptable and you know flexibility within the industry that we work in. We can decide on an excellent name for this new podcast in due course. So next week, listeners will be a far more coherent and clear introduction where we will actually introduce it using the name of the podcast, uh, which I'm very excited about. But until then, listeners, thank you so much. I've been Lyle. She's been the wonderful Jackie. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you all next week. On behalf of Jackie and I, thanks so much for listening to the first episode of this brand new podcast. After a fruitful brainstorming session, we have decided that this pod will henceforth be known as The Rest is PR. Not bad if we say so ourselves. If you would like to suggest a topic for this series, or even if you would like to appear on the podcast yourself, drop me an email at lyle@demozo.com. Which reminds me, if you're interested in what Jackie, myself, and the rest of the Demozo team get up to, head over to demozo.com for more info. See you all next week for another exciting instalment of The Rest is PR. <laughs>